Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. Hello and welcome to Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1376 entitled Life is Strange Down the Rabbit Hole. And look, forgive me, podcast title is the not that exciting True Potters. I am Megan McHugh. Sadly, we have no Rob Jan with us today. He's all fine. He's all good, but he's let me take the helm just for today. So I'll be with you for the next hour. And I've taken my opportunity to go ahead and pick some things to talk about that are thoroughly in the Megan zone of interest, (laughs) although I think probably will hopefully interest Rob as well, um, if you're out there listening, Rob. So what I've picked that we're going to talk about this hour is I'm going to talk about the latest installment in the Life is Strange series of video games. We did cover the first one years and years back on Zero G, actually, and I've just gotten my hands on and completed the most recent installment. So I thought we might have a bit of a chat about that Well chat with myself. I'm used to having Rob here. Uh, I will tell you a little bit about my thoughts on that game. And then I also thought we might cover a book that I read recently, my first read of 2022, a book called Bunny by Mona Awad. It's actually a book that she released a couple of years back because it is now 2022. And she has a subsequent title that she's released recently called All's Well. But I thought that I would cover Bunny because I just read it and I thought it might be of interest. So I guess let's crack on with things to start with. Um, We've been very, very immersed with a lot of great TV, movies, all kinds of things. I hope you're all out there staying safe and streaming what you need to. Uh, But yeah, I thought I'd change it up a bit and kick things off by talking about a video game. So let's get straight into Life is Strange colon True Colours. As I mentioned, there is a Life is Strange franchise. There are technically five games in the franchise, but there's kind of three main title games. And then a couple of, they do DLCs and prequels and additional stories that kind of flesh out the characters a little bit more as well. And this most recent game, True Colours, is kind of a return to form for the franchise. It's got a completely, well, mostly completely new set of characters. And the first one was very well received. The first game was just called Life is Strange uh, and very well received by audiences and players and critics alike. But the subsequent games have kind of failed, I think, to ignite the same interest and success until now. Uh, So... As I mentioned, we did cover the original Life is Strange uh, probably maybe five or six years back. It's a pretty close-to-my-heart game. It's a really great story and has a lovely soundtrack with a lot of good artists featured, and the music does kind of play a core role in all of these games, the first one being no exception. So I'll just give you a little bit of background on that first game before we leap into the most recent one. So the very first Life is Strange installment that kind of kicked things off Uh, covers the story of Max Caulfield and she lived in Arcadia Bay and she had to solve a bit of a weird time-bending 
mystery uh, with the help of some special powers that she had, which is kind of the game mechanic. And it involved rewinding time so she could change or impact different scenarios. They're actually releasing a remaster of that original game this year. So I'd be kind of interested to give that a crap because it does look a little bit uh, unique now when you go back and look at those graphics. We've come a long way in graphics, no shade. A lot of hard work would have gone into that game, but it does look a little bit uh, outdated, let's say. So all of the previous games have been released in chapters, but this time for the latest installment, Life is Strange True Colours, you can purchase and play through all of it at once, even though it is still kind of separated out into little chapter installments, which kind of break up the narrative and give you a little bit of a pause in between. So I personally played the most recent Life is Strange, which is called True Colours. I played this on the PS5, but you can get it on Windows, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, Stadia, Stadia, Stadia and the Switch. So pretty much whatever your flavour of platform is, you can get this game which is great news. The developer is Deck9 and it is published by Square Enix. It's pretty much a single player graphic adventure, I'm going to say, but it's much more of a, it's a playable story and the narrative is really the core focus. So it's kind of like watching a TV show that you can be a little bit involved with. There's not a lot of gameplay and the gameplay is pretty light. And in some ways, Sometimes it's a little bit gimmicky in a way that it's probably not entirely necessary, but it does serve to help draw you in a little bit more. And that's kind of the vibe with all of the Life is Strange games is they're very much focused on story and character and have some really great voice acting to back all that up as well. But if you're looking for something that's high on, although no, there is action, but if you're looking for something where you're thoroughly involved and hitting the keypad the whole time, this is not that. You'll kind of be spending a lot of time listening and just enjoying the story and going along with things and so on. So one of the big things about these games is part of the narrative complexity comes from the fact that you get to make some decisions. So it's a little bit like Bandersnatch if you watched that Netflix show. (laughs) Um, Uh, the Black Mirror Bandersnatch. So you do make different decisions and they will affect the outcomes and story paths that you get within the game and different dialogue options might open or become available to you and it will ultimately impact how the story plays out. I mean, there could be some argument as like exactly how much of an impact it makes, but you do get a it is nice to be able to talk through the different story branches that you got and what happened in the game for you if you're kind of playing at the same time as a friend and see how the different decisions impact and, you know, maybe what they did in their game means that you have a totally different experience in your game, which I think is actually kind of a nice. It's similar to there's other games I've played, the House of Ashes games and Until Dawn um, where you – those are kind of horror games where, yeah, you have different story options or different decisions you make, like grab the gun, don't grab the gun, or jump in the boat, don't jump in the boat, uh, does kind of impact who dies. <laughs> it's maybe not uh, as quite like that here, but it does kind of have a bit of an impact, which is pretty interesting. You do feel a bit involved. So there are big decisions and small decisions. And at the end of each chapter, you do get to see what percentage of people made the same decision as you. So... That's just kind of a little 
bit of a mind dump on the Life is Strange franchise and the latest installment of True Colours. As mentioned, just finished playing that, so I thought I'd talk through that today with you. What we might do uh, is listen to a little bit of a track to get us in the mood before I talk through exactly what this game is and what the plot is. Let's hope we can get this going. So I thought what I would do is play a track called Milwaukee by Laurie Geltman. Now, I went on a real, down a real rabbit hole. <laughs> it's a throw forward to later what we'll talk about. Uh, trying to find this song because it's played in the game inside as background music inside a record store. And I was like, what is this song? The lyrics are kind of, you know, they're not very unique such that you can necessarily Google them and find them. So I went on a real investigation, read it, all kinds of things to try and track down this piece of music that's played in the game because it's not on the official soundtrack or listed anywhere official. So, and I suspect it's because it's from a smaller artist. So anyway, I thought we'd give them a bit of airplay. So this is Milwaukee by Laurie Geltman and it features in the game Life is Strange True Colors. Let's be bad guys. Hi, this is Joss Whedon, creator of Serenity, Buffy and Angel. Welcome to New Melbourne, home of fish, fish-based activities and Radio 3 Triple R FM. Triple R, it's independent radio and it aims to misbehave. Yes, you are listening to Triple R, and this is Zero G with Megan McHugh. No Rob today, but we're going to plug on, and I'm going to talk about some very Megan-esque media. So we're talking about Life is Strange True Colors today, which, look, is available on any platform you want. If you want to play it on console, it's there. PC, it's there. If you want it on your Switch, it is now there, just recently been released. So... Uh, the Just before we heard that track, which was Milwaukee by Laurie Geltman, did explain a little bit about the game franchise Life is Strange, the narrative games where you play through as a single character who usually has a little bit of extra, uh, something a little bit extra special about them, let's just say. Admittedly, I've not played any of the other games except the first one, which maybe I should try and correct. But we're talking about the most recently released one, number five in the franchise called Life is Strange True Colors. So... Let us delve a little bit more into this game more specifically. So you do play as Alex Chen. Now, Alex is a young woman. She has a troubled past because all protagonists need a troubled past. So she has just been released from uh, foster care and she just wants a normal life. And so she goes to live with her brother in a small town. Her brother's name is Gabe and he's built a bit of a life for himself there. And it's a beautiful mountain town called Haven Springs in Colorado. And I will just make a note here. This is kind of where the improved graphics um, and graphic abilities really do shine because there's some beautiful scenery with mountains that kind of hover over the main street of the town where a lot of the game plays out. And there's a couple of choice locations where we'll, as Alex, wander around and meet with different key characters have dialogue, find a little bit more about the town and its inhabitants. And so we've got the local drinking hole, the Black Lantern Bar. We've got the Silver Dragon Dispensary. We've got Leith Flowers and Rocky Mountain Record Traders, as well as Gabe's Loft Apartment, which is above the bar where he works as a bartender. So in all of these locations, you'll have an opportunity to explore and talk to the people who work and live there. And it does turn out that a lot of our key characters that Alex will come into contact with are strongly connected to these different locations. So 
part of Alex's troubled past is due to the special ability that she has. So I did mention in Life is Strange 1, uh, our protagonist Max had these time-bending powers where you could rewind time and you would have to use this to manipulate situations to further the game uh, and try and get yourself out of a little bit of a, a fate hole. So the special ability that Alex has in this game, so it's kind of empathy powers largely. So it's a little bit like mind reading powers in a way. If you consider, if you really take to the nth degree, the idea of reading someone's emotions, but that's being obviously has to be portrayed to you as the player somehow. So it comes through as kind of reading their thoughts and them expressing their feelings without their knowledge, by the way. So you're not, you know, this is not exactly with their consent. Uh, But so we see her new life in Haven Springs. And she is struggling with this power because as you can imagine, like all powers, they get out of control and sometimes people's emotions get very, very strong. And so this can also throw Alex a bit and has kind of affected her behavior as well and how she interacts with people. But it does also mean she's a very empathetic sort. And so she's quite good interacting with people, or at least that's what I took from my gameplay. Uh, So we delve a bit into Alex's past through both her memories, um, but also we get to see some other people's memories, a bit about their lives. And of course, she's building this this life, as I mentioned, in Haven Springs with her brother. But of course, you know, there's got to be some action that happens as well. And I won't delve into it too much, but there is a mining company that kind of looms large over the town and has a big hand in the lives of the townspeople as well through either employing them or impacting them in some way. So that mining company, Typhon, also plays a role in the story as well. So Alex, you have to go through and make decisions and different dialogue choices, but you can be informed by secretly reading people's emotions and then so they manifest as this thought dialogue and different colored auras and so on so you can kind of delve into their thoughts and how they're feeling and react to them appropriately so that's kind of where we begin at the start of the game dropped into haven springs and you've just kind of got to make your way through while juggling some events that happen let's say capital e events So the characters, let's run through. So I've already talked a little bit about Alex. Now, Alex is voiced by Erica Mori, and she was nominated as well for some voice awards and so on for her work in True Colours. And I think she does do a really great job as Alex. I also would call out that I think, and it's no small thing, I'd like to mention that it's great that Alex is just, Alex and her brother Gabe are both, because they're related, uh, Asian protagonists. And I think it's really great that, the game has an Asian protagonist and culture does feature sort of a little bit in her backstory and it's voiced by an Asian voice actor and that just really spoke to me. I really liked that um, we're seeing a little bit more representation in games. I mean, it's baby steps, but look, here we, you know, let's, let's keep it up. So yes, Alex has left her foster home, reunited with Gabe as an adult. So I think she's probably like 19 or 20 in the game, 18, something like this. And she's a little bit tentative. She's emerging into the world again. She's come from a foster foster home. So, you know, that experience I think has, has left a bit with her psyche. And she's got to start forming new relationships, meeting people, but also she's obviously weighed down with the burden. I guess, of knowing some of their secrets um, 
kind of against her will as well in that she does read their emotions, but I don't think, I think probably life would be easier if she didn't have the burden of people's inner thoughts and emotions. So one thing I will call out too is Alex, music plays a role in the game more actively in the narrative. Alex and her brother both really love music, connect over music. Alex sings and plays guitar in the game. And the voice, her singing voice, Alex's singing voice, is provided by the artist MXM Tune. I hope I'm saying that right. M-X-M-T-O-O-N. And there's some lovely covers uh, that appear in the game. I won't necessarily ruin them. We might play one a little bit later. So she is uh, voiced by two people, music and just normal dialogue. So Alex's brother Gabe is voiced by Han Soto. What a close call, right? Like I saw Han Soto, S-O-T-O. I was like, oh, that is so close to Han Solo. Uh, And now Gabe is a fun, lovable joker. He has obviously a similar troubled past because they've both come from the same family and have a bit of the same baggage. But so he does have a bit of a serious side. And I think on the surface, he's a joker, but you do see hints of when you look around his apartment of different things he does where he, he does take the the things that should be taken seriously, he takes seriously and he's trying to better himself. And he has also been thinking about and searching for Alex for a long time and, and does clearly care for her deeply. So their relationship is actually one of the really nice things in the game as well. Another character that we come across in the game is Ryan Lucan. So he's a very sweet, blonde, bird-watching park ranger, just a wholesome Colorado mountain man. Uh, he is best friends with Gabe. And so Alex does come across him quite early in the game at the record store. Also in the record store, she comes across Steph Gingrich. Gingrich? I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Who's a radio DJ, drummer, and she's an all-around cool chick, in my opinion. Uh, She's also very close friends with Gabe as well. So Alex kind of gets to know a little bit about Gabe and his friends and becomes close with both Ryan and Steph. And then lastly, another character. There's a kind of a cast of secondary characters as well, but we won't delve too closely into those, I don't think. But uh, Jed Lucan is the local bar owner uh, and Ryan's dad, and he's a bearded ex-miner and he's a bit of a local hero as well. And he's taken Gabe under his wing and he also does continue to do so and take Alex under his wing when Alex arrives in town. So... We just kind of have this nice little cast of characters in the small town of Haven Springs who welcome Alex and just try to, you know, involve her in the community and in their lives. Uh, I will just briefly call out Charlotte, who is Gabe's partner. So Charlotte uh, runs the dispensary in town and kind of through Charlotte, you see a little bit more of Gabe's serious side and, and how he's trying to, you know, grow up a bit and take on responsibility and so on. So that's a little bit of a rundown of the characters. Uh, And obviously I'm not going to do any more, talk too more about the plot or anything um, because I don't want to ruin anything. And maybe before we talk a little bit more about the, my thoughts, (laughs) which you can probably tell through my rundown anyway were positive. uh, We might play another track. Let's listen to something else that's from the, first game that I liked immensely, Life is Strange. So the very first Life is Strange, this is one of the tracks that featured, I think they have these little end of chapter montages where 
he kind of wraps up and shows you a bit about, you know, because there's actually quite a bit of action that went happened in that first game and wraps it up and this kind of backs one of those montages and it's just a really nice moment and just always takes me back to playing that game, which I think, you know, I've played a lot of games and some of them stick with you and some of them don't. But anyway, this is Mount Washington by Local Natives and this was from the Life is Strange 1 soundtrack. This is Neil Gaiman. It's well past 2000 AD, but Tharg still listens to Zero G. Yes, this is Zero G with just Megan today. Hi, Rob. I know you're out there listening. Uh, So we are talking about Life is Strange True Colours, which is a video game available on pretty much all platforms. We've talked a little bit about the characters and the plot. And so I thought I'd just run over my kind of wrap up with my thoughts. So now there's a lot of action, narrative and character action. Uh, No, there is a little bit of action. The story is quite... um, you know, there's some twists and turns for sure. But if you are, as I mentioned earlier in the show, looking for something fast paced or loads of game mechanics or something where, you know, you don't have a minute to put down the controller because, you know, you're so involved in having to do things every second, this is not that. And it is not intending to be that. It is intending to be a story experience. And what that's what I love about these games is that it's really showcasing using games to do narrative threads in a different way and set up stories in a different way and get you involved and actually feel like you are living through a story and having some impact on a character's quote unquote life. So that's kind of what it's doing here. It is not intended to be you button mashing the whole time, but I don't think anyone would pick up this game and expect that. So, but just to caveat, so it might not be for you if you don't like narrative and you might find it slow or not interesting. But personally, I think the story and character development is engaging enough that you may, despite yourself, find yourself quite compelled. So there is a bit of a slow burn narrative, uh, but it does wind up having some revelations and different things happen and this and that. So it's mainly due to kind of the tension, let's say, between the beautiful small town and the mining company that's involved. And I... Looking back when I was sort of preparing for this, I was like, oh, yeah, it's just a couple of hours. But actually I looked up the – I should look up how long it actually took me to play it. But it does allegedly – the internet says it's about eight to ten hours and that each chapter is roughly one and a half to two hours. So that even further uh, kind of propels that idea that it's this kind of like playing a TV show and it's this episodic style. I will say that obviously that depends on how in-depth you go with inspecting things, picking things up, talking to everyone, running through all of the dialogue options. So if you're breezing past all that or don't know it's there or just doing the bare bones, it's not going to take you that long. I'm a bit of a completionist, so I'm picking up every pot plant. I'm looking at every flyer. I'm talking to every person in the bar. Uh, So it's kind of up to you how much you want to do that. Regardless, I thought it was a really nice length. doesn't drag, but there's enough there to tell the story it's trying to tell. There is a LARP-inspired segment, which I loved, but others might not gel with. I thought it was very interesting what they did and I thought it was kind of cute and fun. So that was pretty cool. But again, you might be like, what is this? Personally, loved it. My advice would definitely be, and I said this to a friend who played through and she also loved it and is kind of probably 
I think I'm not, hope I'm not misspeaking here. Probably the first time she's sort of played a game like this as well, but she loved it as well. And the advice I gave her is definitely try to inspect objects, talk to people, read their emotions if you can. There's a lot of small side options and they're very, they're day-to-day things, you know, that you can you can do and complete in the game, impact small ways you can impact people's lives or uh, help them in some way through using your empathy powers, little tasks and things. And it helps you get to know them and get to know a little bit more. You just kind of helps flesh out the experience of being in this small town, I think. Obviously, it's not propelling the story forward necessarily, but I think being immersed in the town and in having those interactions is kind of part of the experience. So, that's would, that would be a big key if you can do that. Uh, I do really like the ability to build relationships and I don't want to say too much, but you can decide in the game a couple of key things and I loved that. I thought that was – it felt – it was a wonderful addition to the game and I thought it was done really well. And so Alex does find herself in some very, I think, compelling and authentic situations and the small mountain, small mountain, small town, big mountain setting, I loved it. The energy of the place, Haven Springs felt so real to me. The people felt real. I still think about the game and the story, and there's just some little touches and little dialogue and bits of the writing that I think really resonated the way sometimes scenes of a TV, I don't want to hit this nail too hard on the head, but the way different scenes and interactions and character they can resonate with you. I got some of those experiences through playing this game. So like the joking dynamic between Ryan and Steph and Alex and the brother, the, you know, the awkward, sweet process of two siblings reconnecting, like Alex and Gabe kind of finding each other again. So just a note. So I've said a lot of things around you. It's very sweet and you're in this mountain town just waddling around playing LARP. But there is, you know, some violence and drama and tragedy in the story. So, I mean, I'd say there's probably like appropriate ages and so on. And if you're not really that into that, maybe just kind of look up some of the content stuff, but nothing too, I don't think there's anything too, well, I don't know. Look, yeah, I'll just caveat that. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Let's just say that. So that's probably me. I've yapped on a lot about that. So I think let's wrap up this bit on Life is Strange True Colours. It's out now, so you can play it wherever you play best. And to round out, I thought we'd play another track from the game. So as I mentioned before, music plays a big role in the franchise and True Colours is no exception to that. Angus and Julia Stone did some work on the soundtrack, also been involved in past games as well. And there's a great soundtrack within the game. So I think a lot of diegetic music, uh, which, you know, Alec, it really helps flesh out the the vibe of the thing and Alex has some quiet moments with music if you choose to do so. If you don't care for that, you don't have to sit down and listen to the music. But it does bring forth a bit of a mood and and it helps with Gabe and Alex's connection, their mutual love of music, etc. etc. And that music is something that's been a comfort for Alex over her time as well. So anywho, as I mentioned before, MXM Tune does I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Alex's singing voice. And so I thought I'd play a lovely track from the game. This is their cover of Creep that appeared in Life is Strange, True Colours. Definite thumbs up for me. Seek it out if it sounds of interest to you. I hope I've done it justice here. And let's wrap it up by listening to this really nice cover. Well, 
the, it's slightly different to the one that appears in the game, but this is the one that MXM Toon has released anyway. So let's take a listen to that. I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero G on 3 R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere, anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 with three exclamation marks. Yes, this is Zero G with Megan McHugh, and we have been talking about Life is Strange True Colours, and that is a track from an artist who appears in the game and does a similar cover in the game. Anyway, MXM Tune, that is a cover of Creep by Radiohead. I think Tom York would dig that. So that wraps up that. I thought that was a really nice track. Uh, check out her other stuff as well. So now I thought we could talk about a book that I read. Uh, so I mentioned earlier on uh, this book is was my first read of 2022. So I think we're off to a good start because I did like the book. So this book is called Bunny, B-U-N-N-Y, like the rabbit, and it's by Mona Award, A-W-A-D, and it was released in 2020. So I don't think you'd say it's an old book, but it's been out for a little while, let's just say. So I was dubious going into it because it's a book I heard about on YouTube. I do watch a lot of YouTube and I watch a lot of book videos on YouTube. So anyway, this book is quite big in the bookfluencer scene. And so I've gotten a few good recs off YouTube and book influencers. So no shade there. But I've also got some books that are, you know, good read, quick, solid, but fun, but not necessarily what I'd call well-written or memorable or something that I would necessarily want to recommend. I I did get the Grady Hendrix book that we covered a few weeks ago on Zero G. The Final Girl Support Group was a rec I got off the internet. But anyway, so I was a bit dubious going in because I was like, oh, this book, I mean, it might be fun. Uh, its premise sounds interesting, but I wasn't really expecting that much to be perfectly honest. So however, I was pleasantly surprised because the book is deliciously weird as promised, but it was quite engrossing and like a good body horror. I couldn't look away or put it down. So I read it quite quickly. I mean, the way that it goes along, I was like, am I liking this book? Am I, is this, am I? And then, but at the end, when I looked back, I was like, oh, I really enjoyed reading that. These are all these things I'm thinking about. And ultimately, I really liked the writing style as well. So all of that added up, I thought that it would be worth covering to see if you would also be interested in maybe checking it out. So it might not be for everyone, but if it's out, you know, it might catch someone's interest who hasn't come across it because I haven't really seen it that advertised outside of BookTube. So before I delve into the details, there is a big, long list of cited influences that you see name dropped whenever there's, you know, those little kind of review notes that appear on the cover or in the Goodreads blurb or, you know, the publisher's um, page of the describing the book. There's always little quotes and people just love to come up with things to compare it to or say it's influenced by. So different things that have been name dropped when referring to the book Bunny include The Secret History, Heathers, Mean Girls, Frankenstein, The Craft, The Vegetarian, fantastic book by Han Kang. If you have not read it, please do. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, 
goes on and on and on. But if those kind of, I do think those give a general gist of what the book is about. If it does not, it does sell it a little bit short as well. But I do think those are all fairly accurate. So we're thinking girl clicks, we're thinking body horror stuff, we're thinking quote unquote dark academia. So that's kind of the general atmosphere of the book. So look away if that does not interest. Please continue listening if it does interest. So I thought I'd talk through a little bit about the plot. So Bunny by Mona Awad. So Bunny follows uh, Samantha Mackey, McKee, Mackey. Uh, And so she's a student at a prestigious grad school, which I think is where we're getting all these like secret history elements. So she's a student at a prestigious grad school. She's enrolled in an MFA creative writing program. So she's encouraged to use her imagination, push herself, you know, come up with these ideas, etc. And this program is so selective that it only has a few students in it. Now, the other students happen to be a clique of clique, clique of girls who call each other Bunny. Now, that sounds incredibly annoying. <laughs> so they also have names, but they call so then it's not like they're all called Heather. They just call it's their nickname for each other, Bunny. And so they're these rich kind of preeny girls who live in each other's pockets. And as Samantha soon finds out, they're actually manifesting something other than just creative writing stories in their spare time. So that's kind of the setup we're given. And this is really the logline of describing the book. We're talking fancy university, fancy writing program, fancy girls that have excluded you. So that's the the energy as we're going in. So we start the novel in Samantha's shoes. She feels very much on the outside. She's not in with them. She feels different. So she derides them and she says, I hate them. I don't want to be involved with them anyway. She spends a lot of time with her friend Ava, who's not a student and is quite different to the bunnies. And till one day when the bunnies invite her into their little group and they invite her along to an event and Samantha finds out a little bit more and a little bit more and kind of learns a bit about what's going on in these gatherings. And so she's very quickly drawn in to their candy colored little clique. And she gradually starts to lose a bit of herself and her identity. She's kind of leaving behind her whole old life, her old friends and her sense of self. And she's gaining quote unquote, uh, some other things in quotation marks. And so she's no longer looking in at the exploits of these girls. Uh, So she used to nickname them Cupcake, Creepy Doll, Vignette and Duchess. But now she's seated at the table with them, eating their tiny cakes and getting involved in their Frankenstein-esque games. So that, I mean, that feels like I pretty much told you a lot about the book, which I sort of have, but all of that is very much just outlined in the premise. So no real surprises there. And that's kind of the setup. You kind of already know a bit going in what the book's going to be about. So it's very much about the execution, I think. Before we, before I kind of use up more breath talking about that <laughs> at length, saying bunny a million times, let's listen to another track. And this, I was a bit at a loss about what to choose because that's a lot of influences there. And I was like, hmm, what am I going to go for? So I thought I'd play some tracks from Heather's great film. So this is I See by Letters to Cleo. So let's have a listen to that and then I will give you my final thoughts on the book 
funny. Wow! Hey, Space Buddies! I'm Danny John Jules. I play the cat on Red Dwarf. And I gotta tell you that listening to Zero G is fashionable as wearing knee-length socks with thongs. Zero G, industrial strength sci-fi pum-pum on three triple R. Yes, you are listening to Zero G. I am Megan McHugh. And I have talked about a few things today, but the most... Pressing one that we're talking about right now is a book called Bunny by Mona Awad. Now, I talked a little bit about the plot and the basic premise, which is prestigious school, outsider becomes part of the in-group, but there's weird things going on, little bit of weird magic stuff, question mark. (laughs) So that's kind of a bit of the setup. I obviously don't want to uh, talk too much more about the plot because aside from the premise... um, Yeah, a couple of other things kind of happen, but most of it is around the writing style and the kind of thought pattern that you go through because it's very much you are in Samantha's head. And so I found it to be quite an immersive read where you'll get the most out of it if you're willing to just surrender to the surrealness of the book and start... Yeah, and don't kind of try to read too much into it until you've read the whole thing and then you can kind of look back and go, oh, interesting. So, I mean, it's not doing too much that's unusual here. So it covers a lot of the common themes of loneliness, female friend- complicated female friendships, uh, misuse of magic or kind of creation, in-groups, out-groups, just to name drop a couple of things. Uh, but it does get pretty weird and there are little breadcrumbs throughout that actually had me looking back at the end of the book and thinking that maybe there was a bit more to it than I had first thought. I had a couple of different questions at the end, especially the last line kind of really hits a bit strangely and you go, what, wait, huh? Which I think is a really great outcome that I cared enough to then mull over it and then go off and look up different theories and things that people have had uh, on what kind of the last segment means. I found that Awad, she really sharply describes the energy at this prestigious university. I feel like, I think I read somewhere that she went to maybe, it was Brown, I think, probably could have confirmed that. But I think some of that is written from personal experience, I would wager. Some of the caricatures that are drawn of the creative writing workshop leaders, the teachers and so on, and just kind of the dynamic of some of those environments. I was like, I think this is written from life. Um, Samantha's feeling of isolation is really palpable throughout and also kind of the different dynamics in each different group space. So the writing workshops, when she's with the bunnies, the friendships that she has outside of that group, And yeah, just the different idiosyncratic people that she comes across and how she interacts in those different spaces. But there's also quite a lot of drip feeding of cryptic references to Samantha and her past and her present relationships or lack of relationships and so on. So I think these descriptions and kind of the actual maybe psychological element, I guess, or the um, cerebral element are what make what could have been a pretty bog standard story quite interesting and compelling and worthwhile because that premise could be done brilliantly or it could be done terribly. And I think Awad has done a really fine job in elevating what could have been a real cliche execution. So overall, it's quite dark and strange, uh, but there's wry humour in there. There's tinges of satire. Awad has no inclination to explain everything by the conclusion, which I appreciate. 
if you're not into unreliable narrators, you're dang out of luck uh, with this book. And there's some interesting ideas and dynamics explored, which I did appreciate. And similar to True Colours in a way, they're just explored and included, but there's not like a big banner message over top or anything like that. So it's very much not a black and white book. You can take from it what you want. It's not spoon feeding you. And it's it's a bit more complex than, than first look. Uh, there are some twists and turns in the plot, a few curious elements that are raised and as I mentioned, I do think it's the writing style that kind of propels this whole thing and makes it interesting as it kind of the narrative kind of winds and weaves around. And we do become more immersed in Samantha's inner world. And I think that is is one of the key things to getting a lot out of the book. So overall, enjoyable, very engaging, probably not one that's going to, oh, I mean, it's only January. I've only read a couple of books. Might not make the top list, but look, I'll let you know in 12 months. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a top read, but I would say it's something, there's plenty of people I know who I would actively recommend this book to. And it's it's just good fun. And by good fun, I mean dark and disturbing, (laughs) but probably worth a look if all of that sounds of interest to you. So that book is Bunny by Mona Awad. Mona Ward actually has another book that she's released called All's Well, which is set in kind of a theatre troupe that's putting on uh, a Shakespeare and then some other mysterious things happen. So it seems like she kind of mixes a bit of the prestigious, fancy, creative theatre vibe with uh, the supernatural. That's kind of she likes to do that kind of juxtaposition maybe. So anyway, I'm keen to check that out. Bunny, I enjoyed Bunny enough to definitely read more of her stuff. I know she does a lot of writing for publications and so on. So overall, I was pretty chuffed, uh, chuffed with the book. So yes, Bunny, Mona Award. Uh, it's not a very long read and it's, oh, actually, sorry, it came out in 2019. It's been out for a couple of years. Uh, that is that. Now, I do have a track to take us out. It's another one from Heather's, but I think I'm a little bit short. I've run, I don't have anything more to say about the book. I've talked about the Frankenstein element. I've talked about the girls can be mean thing. Uh, but so maybe just to kill the last few minutes, I guess what else, what other good things have, I mean, that look, there's a lot happening at the cinema. There's a lot happening on TV. Personally, some stuff I have seen and enjoyed. I also played through, in addition to Life is Strange, it was actually the second game that I played on the um, on the PS5. Uh, the first game that I played was Deathloop, which I really liked. Some people didn't really dig it, but... I really loved that game. So just I'll just quickly talk about that in the last few minutes that we have. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it was it was the art style was really kind of um the creative design and the art direction was really well realized. I think the voice acting was spectacular. I think there was definitely the dialogue was far and away the best part about it. So the interaction between two of the characters and that dialogue is standout of any that I've seen in any game. And I know I'm not the first to say that and I'm not the last to say that. That's kind of one of the key things people say about that game. Uh, The time loop mechanic, once they got used to it, I really liked. I know some people find it quite limiting, I think, is some of the criticism I've heard from people I know who've also tried to play it as well. And there's a bit of a hump at the start where 
you know, it's quite difficult. And then kind of once you unlock a couple of things, it becomes quite easy. And I say that as someone who's not very good necessarily at these kinds of games, but I did find the difficulty level dramatically decreases after you've kind of unlocked a little bit of something. But overall, I think it was well worth, it was well, I mean, it's kind of why I got the the PlayStation, but uh, I thought it was well worth the time. And there was definitely enough. I mean, the narrative drops off a little towards the end, but overall, I got so much out of it and I thought it was such a cool world. And look, the AI, uh, what do you call it? The AI um, opponents, the AI wasn't that smart. Like I would be near it. It would see me. I'd walk away. I'd come back and it wouldn't see me. It just, but overall I, I loved that game. So anyway, yeah, Deathloop, that was something else I've been playing as well as Life is Strange, True Colors, which we covered at the start of the show. And we also covered Bunny, the book by Mona Award. So I guess that is me for today. Thank you so much. Um, thank you to Rob for letting me have the helm as well, although I did miss having him sit opposite me. And yeah, this has been Zero G. Uh, Astral Glamour coming up next. And I think let's go out with a track from Heathers. This is called JD Blows Up. Sorry, spoilers. I mean, but the movie's very old. Uh, and this is uh, from the score by David Newman. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.